what I was trying to get achieve is having more entry crops for my wheat, hence oilseed rape and beans. Definitely there's a, a yield uh, benefit of doing that. And I find there's less cost too. You don't have uh, different disease pressures and things like that. Tillage farming is the most efficient sector in terms of CO2 emissions, but there are still a number of areas where every tillage farmer can do to reduce this further. You are listening to the latest episode of the Tillage Age with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Darren Allen, a farmer in Cork who's part of the Signpost Farm Programme, and his advisor, Kiro Donovan, to chat about the steps Darren is taking to reduce the farm's impact on the environment around him. Darren, can I come to you first? Darren, can you outline the farm's structure in terms of owned and leased land and what sort of major crops you have under rotation on your farm? Down at Ballymaloo there, I'm the third generation farm farmer here on our land. We're based there in East Cork. The land is of one block, but it's um, it's well serviced and broken up by local roads. Um, our current crop rotations are oilseed rape, wheat, spring barley, beans, wheat, spring barley. Um, that's where we've kind of moved to. Uh, in the past there we were have been many different types of rotations we were continuous winter wheat there for a number of years but our yields have started to decline we were down to maybe three ton an acre and um, previous to that we would have been potatoes beet sheep wheat but compaction became um, a big problem and that sort of a rotation and um, hence where we've ended up today where we probably come from a uh oilseed rape, wheat, barley, barley. And um, I've moved, we've included beans in our rotation the last number of years and I'm seeing huge benefits, just what they're doing to the soil and different things like that. Okay. So in terms of your soil, um, Darren, is is it, you were in winter wheat um, from what what you're saying and now you're doing a bit of beans. Is it relatively heavy or light ground or do you have a mix? Um, The land here, the soil is uh, clay over limestone. Um, so we certainly suffer a little bit from water logging. It's probably my biggest yield robber. Uh, we do a lot of drainage work and we're doing a little often on that process there. Um, I inherited um, good peas and K's in the land from my father uh, that we've been topping up for the last number of years with pig slurries. Uh, mostly peas and K's are indexed threes and fours. It's good sort of winter cropping land. Okay. Uh, and, and your establishment system that you're using on that, Darren, is it a plough-based system or are you, are you doing a bit of a mix of bits and pieces? Uh, historically, we've been all plough-based. And the last number of years, I've been sort of tinkering with, 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 with different systems. Uh, strip-till is a, a technique that I can get um, my local contractors to do for me. So I've been kind of entering down that uh, that road just a little bit. Okay. Um, it's kind. Of, I've had a, a mixed bag of results with it. Um, it's failed on me straight up. Um, but in the last couple of years, I've kind of understand the principles behind it a little bit better and the journey to enter into it and my soil type. Um, what I'm finding is a cover crop followed by beans, let it regenerate. And then I'm going into with, with wheats and hope to follow that with, uh, with, with spring barleys and things like that. Um, that's what we've done this year and um, it's looking very, very good. Okay, so it's a mix of trying to get the the rotation, the following crops right. So it's, it's, it's the whole bag rather than just 
a technique of doing something in a particular year to establish a crop? Yeah, like it's 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 certainly like when when I started asking questions about it and things that came back to me were sort of earning the right to be able to cheat and uh, those type of things were coming back to me. Um, I, but I suppose the motivation behind it was really a way of me reducing my my growing costs for all my, my crops. I just feel particularly last year where our inputs were just so expensive. Uh, if anything were to go wrong, like the price dropping at the moment, your neck is so far out, it's, it could catch you on a bad year if you like, and, and I was just worried about that. Sure. But okay. I'm seeing like huge advantages in it in my second year. So, so I'm only learning here. Okay. All the learning processes, both in farming. Kira, can I just bring you bring you in for a second? Um, in terms of, you know, you deal with an awful lot of uh, tillage farmers uh, across Cork, East Cork direction. How similar would Darren be to other farmers that you're dealing with? Darren, I suppose, would have a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences to farmers in the local area. Whereas farm is, is like the the saucer he kind of is in a low-lying area so he, he'd have predominantly the heavier type of soil um i know a lot of farms in east cork area there's a lot of free draining land an awful lot of um spring cropping areas malting barley would be a big crop in the area and um, whereas darren might be a little bit different he has always predominantly been winter cropping on the farm um good wheat land good heavy ground suitable for for winter cropping rotations and he's maximized that so from that perspective he's he's i know everyone has their heavy fields and more suited to winter cropping but darren is probably more predominantly focused on the winter crops up up to now anyway um rotation wise he's probably well up there he has an excellent rotation at from listening to him there it's he's improved it over time he's he's brought in um went away from win- continuous winter wheat to uh to bring in more break crops um which is positively affecting his 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 winter wheat yields um from an establishment perspective he'd be very similar to to the to the mainstream in the area in east cork using the plow the plow based system and but we have seen a lot of farmers in the area dabbling in the strip till you know particularly i suppose in planting beans it seems to have it seems to be gaining in popularity in the area i see the they're seeing i suppose the efficiency of it getting the crops into the ground and people are dabbling more into it it's getting certainly garnering more interest and and from the point of view then so darren is 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 part of this signpost farm program and uh, obviously we've you, you along with some of your colleagues have had a, I suppose, maybe a more in-depth look into Dara's farm and some of the bits and pieces that's going on in the farm. Um, in terms of the practices on Darren's farm, are there a couple of areas that you think Dara should be, or Darren should be particularly proud of? And maybe on the other side of it, a couple of areas that that maybe could do it, maybe a little bit more attention to, to, to bring it to the next level. I suppose when I met Darren for the first time and getting to know him and getting to know the farm, um, there's there's a lot of things I think he should be very proud of. He's um he's obviously not afraid to to change things up and try and improve all the time. Um diversification, kind of innovation is a big part of his farm, trying to incorporate more premium crops and improve yields. He's constantly striving for improvement, which is great to see. You know, he's 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 willing to change and try things. And um 
I think the soil fertility on a farm is, you know, in comparison to national average figures and also, you know, amongst, you know, tillage farmers in, in, in the area, his soil fertility is really excellent. It's something he's 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 minded over time and he's trying to optimise it. Um, his peas and K's are obviously really good. And the lime, the lime is a big one as well. He, he's really on top of that. Is there an area or two that you, you you think that there's maybe a little room for improvement in? Like every farmer, I suppose, trying to make improvements in, I suppose, nutrient use efficiency and, um, I suppose, getting costs under control or maybe not trying to bring in more organic manures maybe into the into the mix. And um, I think over time, Darren has looked into incorporating it a bit more. He's doing well. It's what I'm. It's what I'm getting from you. There's a lot of a lot of good things on the farm, which is which is always great. So, Darren, I might just bring you back in there at the moment. I'm just. I'm curious. I, I suppose you, you talked about your rotation along the way. You changed from. You had a very varied mix of crops in there with sugar beet and potatoes. You mentioned there. Then you switched into maybe more predominantly winter crops, and now you're back in towards more spring crops. Was there? Was there any crops there that you said just really wasn't working on your farm and you needed to change it up and and maybe thinking about that switch back into some some more spring crops? How did that all evolve? I suppose when we when we lost the, the, the sugar beet industry, it probably took about four years for my land just to recover after it. I remember talking to a neighbor saying, um, I've got ditch to ditch crops now, which was a big thing on, on my type of land. Um we then went down a kind of a, a route of predominantly winter crops of oilseed oil rape, uh, wheat and, and winter barleys and things like that. Um, I suppose what I was trying to get achieve is having more entry crops for my wheat, uh, hence oilseed rape and beans. Um, definitely there's a, a yield a, a benefit of doing that. And I find there's less cost to, you know, to have uh, different disease pressures and things like that. Um, winter barley. Whenever I looked at my cost analysis at the end of the year, was always the the weak, the weaker crop on my farm, and we got a contract there for malting barley, which is which has improved that. Also, I'm kind of finding having the spring crops. It allows me to put in cover crops and get a decent stand on that. And it breaks up the whole weed pressure of I can get use different chemicals to to control my my weeds, finding it quite beneficial. And have you changed a little then away from oilseed rape back into some more beans? Is that something that consciously you've done or is just evolved because of various different pressures on the farm? The main driver in beans was originally kind of to get another um, first wheat into my, my land rotation and reduce my my every four years down to three years the beans also have the advantages the very little fertilizer required for them so they keep my cost down um on the farm and i find that they're um, what they're doing for the for the soil is just fantastic and i find them kind of like a they've given me they've been good to me the last couple of years and i'm i, I was slow to get into them originally but i, I, I like, i'm getting to appreciate them <laughs> and is that winter or spring darren that you're putting in winter beans are planting them just as soon as we can after christmas really okay okay so as soon as you can get them on it by a strip till method is it darren we've done that the last two years i plowed them before that i find the strip till they work perfectly and um they do great that does that combination does great for my soil 
Okay. And in terms of, you, you, you've talked a good bit about soil and, and, and soil health and trying to improve that. Uh, the straw chopping scheme was out there. Did you avail of that at all in, in terms of trying to add a bit more organic manure back into the soil? I did avail of the straw chopping scheme there last year. I actually, um, in my rotation where I'm following oilseed rape after spring barley, the timeline is very tight. So it allowed me to, um, let's say, cut my corn, my barley, and I was able to put a pig slurry on top of that and plow it straight down and have my next crop in the ground with quite a quick turnaround. So it was hugely beneficial for me there. Um, I think my plan now for next year is to to do as much straw chopping as I possibly can. Um, it's a little bit in competition with me because I have a biomass boiler where I'm also looking for straw. So um, we're trying to get our head around the best way to move forward in that. Hero, can I bring you back in there again, just in terms of Darren's overall system? And obviously you're involved quite a bit with, with Darren and, and, and how he grows his crops. How would you describe Darren's system? Is it is it a medium or a high put in, input type of system? And I suppose just thinking of that fertilizer is certainly one of the biggest ends of that uh, cost. Do you think there's a bit more maneuver there to um, optimize the use of that fertilizers? It's really, it's what the crop needs. I think he works really closely um, with ourselves and with, with his his local agronomist and, and, and dairy gold. And it's more of a prescriptive approach, I suppose. It's not getting the same treatment just because that's what Rob has done. They're very much in tune with, you know, walking crops. Like IPM is a huge, IPM integrated pest management is a huge um focus on the farm you know the rotation is a big part of it in terms of flexibility around rates of nitrogen use and cutting down the inputs overall on the farm incorporating those um, crops that need less fertilizers obviously going to help not only from financially but also just rates of chemical fertilizer on the farm and giving that break for the first tweets Um, using I suppose the organic manures like the pig slurry the straw chopping as well adding um you know, a lot of potash and, and, and carbon into the soil will help the, the fertility of the soil and the tilt of it. And that will most definitely help to add nutrients to the soil. And um, I suppose our use of slurry, Darren, I suppose, has been over time as well, increasing the use of in-crop application of slurry. So applying slurry to growing crops, which also um, will potentially um, help them make savings in chemical fertilizer application but also on top of that um, protected urea I suppose Darren is kind of more unique I think um, compared to a lot of people I meet in, in the local area he actually has kind of his norm is actually to use urea like just but he's kind of moving towards more protected urea now which is which I think is um, which kind of makes him kind of stand out but look it's he's a heavier type of land maybe it's when he's fertilizing his crops, winter crops, it's suit, it's suited to the product as well. But also going the extra step now, maybe with the protected urea and kind of um, to help him, you know, make savings and just maximize the nutrient use efficiency of nitrogen in the system through the protection urea and the in-crop application of slurry. So more of the nitrogen goes into the crop rather than, you know, just getting value out of the P and K and slurry, more of it's, we can get more value out of the nitrogen in it. You know, it all in conjunction with his soil tests and his nutrient management plan on the farm, of course. Darren, can I bring in on that just in terms of Kira's point there from, uh, in terms of your use of urea, you've been using urea for a long number of years now, which probably may be slightly different to other farmers. What brought you around to that decision uh, in terms of the, the use of urea like that? 
I suppose, to be honest about it, it was a costing. There was a substantial cost over my farm infusing urea over can. Uh, it would always be urea with sulfur I would have spread. Very little beyond that, really. And you had no problem at all then in terms of uh, the application of it, in terms of the evenness over the tram lines and that kind of thing? You were, you were able to work pretty well with it? Um, there was a learning curve with it, but okay. currently I'm spreading urea over 25 metres tram lines and um, you've got to watch it. You've got to be got to be on top of it. It just machine has to be set right, has to be not windy. But I've, I've I've I feel now we're doing quite a good job on that. Very good. Here, can I bring you back just and we're talking about the environmental kind of bits here. Are there a couple of things on Dara's, Dara's farm? Where you, uh, where he should be particularly happy in terms of how he's uh, managing his farm in terms of the environment around it, and maybe is there one or two things which you've noticed? Maybe I don't know water flow or maybe something like that. How he's treating hedges? Maybe I don't know. In terms of is there other changes that maybe could be made incrementally to to maybe improve that over time? So on Darren's farm, I suppose something that really strikes you when you're on the farm is actually he has a lot of you know areas on the farm that. I know we're kind of learning them more. They're called space for nature these days, but, you know, kind of without even realizing it, he's created a kind of lot of riparian zones to try and capture, you know, sediment and runoff from soil before it gets into water. You know, just with the nature of the heavy land and the direction of water flow, um, the, the areas of the farm may be very difficult to work, but he has kind of let nature take its course in a way. And he has these huge, like, biodiversity havens on the farm, like, that he's created, like, um, in terms of grass, but also being a participant, an active participant in environmental schemes in the past, you know, providing um, bird cover and um, management of hedges, you know, margins, uh, catch crops for, for capturing nutrients, um, post-harvest, um, things like that. He's really um, making incremental improvements. And actually this year, again, I think he's really stepping up even f- like further improvements um, with our with acceptance into the NPWS, the National Parks and Wildlife Scheme, which will actually go a step further again into kind of helping to protect water in the area. Um, I think it's, he's, he's made, made great strides. And in terms of IPM measures, I suppose he, he's very on top of that, trying to just use pesticides where necessary, trying to cut down by using rotation and also, you know, disking post-harvest um, to try and, you know, rolling for for slugs um, and, uh, you know, the greenhouse gas emissions using low emission slurry spreading techniques for applying the pig slurry and um, and the protected urea, of course. So water is a big thing on the farm. It's quite heavy. And being in a kind of a, the bottom of a saucer in the, in the area, like there is water pressure from agriculture in the area. But um, and it being, I suppose, what it causes its big issues is down in the sea. But, you know, Darren is doing little bits of you know drainage work and he's really focused on water we could he could probably write a book on on water and how it moves through his farm but the folks are trying to get it through the farm in and in, out again in a clean stage as possible um you know and the best way we can try and do that is to filter it down through the soil and have good soil tilt solve any compaction issues and trying and and because if you have brown water or you know nutrients that's nutrients you've paid for and that's a loss in the system but that's i know we're talking about it with Darren before it's the the juice for the plants that makes the plants grow so you know the farmers should be concerned about losing nutrients out of the farm through 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 the water because um it's all a 
it's affecting the efficiency and the profitability on a farm as well as affecting the environment but on another note as well just the point in terms of like the family have a huge interest in bird life and there's there's lots of you know trees and havens for for wildlife on the farm which they really they maximize which i think is fantastic and a good example for farmers you know and i wish when farmers come to the farm at different events that they that they see these it makes the just the aesthetics of the farm it's a really beautiful place to work and and to farm well, Darren, that that was uh, about the best uh, 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 endorsement I've ever heard in terms of a farm and the environment. Bird use is brilliant. So, Kira, uh, that, that's brilliant. Darren, can I just ask you, uh, maybe just from the point of view in, in terms of all that glowing praise there, is there one or two things that you are trying to maybe incrementally improve on that you've kind of targeted over the next couple of years to kind of say, right, I'm going to go after that bit and that's really going to help the environment on my farm? Yeah, I suppose it's a whole systems approach, really. I suppose um, a lot of decisions that I make on my farm have got environmental benefits, but they might be the, a cost benefit as well. Um, where can I say that? I, I I haven't used much insecticide on my crops for the last number of years. I've just sort of dropped it out. I was very lucky not to have a barley in last year to the, where, where it was a real problem. Um, as Kira was saying there, um, I'm on a real journey and I kind of have been on a journey for a while to to minimize water flowing out over my land into rivers and things like that. Sure. And she's completely correct in saying that it's a it's quite a big P and N robber off the land. Um never mind what it does to the to the river downstream of us. Um we've done things like, you know, fencing off wet corners and planting up with with trees on land that's just not producing. Um I suppose we're looking at reduced cultivation. That's another one. That's that's a big one, and it's it's yet again it's financially driven. Um, we rotate the cutting of hedges around the farm. Uh, we try to do it every three years. If I leave it longer than three years, my my contractor starts giving me lip. So um, <laughs> so we we leave it as long. There I'm not cutting the whole place, so it's saving money again. Um, as I said, like we, we do lots of things here. We have a lot of PV on the sheds. We have uh, biomass boilers, so we're producing a lot of our own energy. Um, we really have embraced uh, cover crops. They're just to name a few things, yeah. Well, Darren, that, that, that's a, a ringing endorsement in terms of all the bits and pieces, the elements that where any tillage farmer can look at in terms of trying to improve their environment. And, and it's, it's brilliant that you're a part of the Signpost Farm Programme because I really do hope... And anybody listening to uh, this podcast will make time to to visit your farm. And we've had a number of open days already on, on, on your farm. We'll have many more to come. Darren, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, it's brilliant to, to, to chat to you about that. And we'll come back to you again. And Kira as well. Thanks very much for your insights as well. You've certainly given Darren a, a very ringing endorsement of how he's managing his farm. So we'll be chatting to you again. And thanks very much. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Darren and Kira for joining me on the podcast. There are two events coming up in the Tillage Signpost Farms in the next few weeks to examine how to get the best from slurries and reduce chemical fertilizers. First is on the 28th in Matty Moore's farm near Road Tullamore, and the second is on April the 4th on Tom Barry's farm near Mallow in Cork. Both farms are using pig slurry in growing winter crops and are making substantial financial savings in the process. For more details on the events, go to chagas.ie forward slash events. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. 
And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.